All right. Hey there, gentlemen. Back again for another episode. I think this one's going to be pretty fun. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, I really enjoyed the last episode, and I think this one ties into it perfect. So adding another partner and really starting to enjoy the partners we're putting together, right? We started at this high level with some of the big name partners, and now we're starting to dig into the people that are going to make it happen and the partners are going to that are going to help us really make it happen in the details. So super excited for this one. I'm learning a lot. I learned a lot last one, and my guess is I learned even more this time around. Yeah, that, that's always good. We're I think we're not bothering Scott's operational tendencies as much, but this <laughs> one might kind of go in that direction a little bit. So I'm looking forward to it. Adam, how are you doing today? I would love to hear how things are going. And you're the story arc. Maybe could you tie in last week episode to this week's a little bit? I know you yeah. got a little yeah, most, most definitely. I sure will. Great week. It's starting to feel more and more like spring here. We're starting to see more and more guests coming to the Outer Banks. So the roads are getting busy. Stores are getting busy. And I know that living in a vacation spot, that can be grading a little bit for the locals that are here. But I'm excited about it. I love the energy that vacationers bring. And it's nice to see the roads busy. But more importantly, it's really good to see people uh, continue to go on vacations, continuing to support the vacation rental industry. And the reason why any of us can live in vacation areas is because the guests come here. So as as much as it, it might be a, a slight annoyance to have the roads and the stores busier, it's really exciting to see that, that we've got a full boat of vacationers already coming down and it's only the end of April. So I'm hopeful for a pretty strong summer. But to talk about the story arc, this will build on last week's episode. And I'm excited for this one as well. And I think that there's a lot for us to learn as an industry, as individuals, because this technology is moving so quickly. So similar to what we talked about last week, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning. And we, I wanted to break this into two episodes and I wanted to bring on two different guests because we're thinking about this in two different tracks. Now, overarching, it's the same concept, right? We're talking about AI, we're talking about ML, we're talking about how it fits into vacation rental management and where that is progressing. And we're talking about maybe generally where AI and ML is progressing. So I'm very interested to get our guest perspective and maybe see where that compares to some of the perspective of last week. But specific to our business and to Scott's point, over the course of, I think we're on episode 17, 18, over the course of 17 or 18 episodes, We've been progressing through our business, how we build the business, how we think about different aspects of the business. And now we're getting down to some really specific partners that are on the front edge of things that we're thinking about. And AI is on that front edge of what we're thinking about. We're implementing it in two stages. And I mentioned last week that one of the reasons we're implementing it in two stages is because we're in the process of getting a new website and getting a new PMS. So adaptive, we're not putting into place until September and we have that tech stack in place. Today's guest is from Haptic, and Haptic is the other vendor that we're using from AI. And we're looking at these from two different perspectives. The adaptive discussion was around personalizing the website and some recommendations for properties and that type of thing, and then potentially personalizing emails. And that's where our focus is with adaptive. With Haptic, our focus is on the website, but it's on chat. It's how do we leverage a chat AI to remove some of the workload that's on our current client success or reservations team? And then how do we actually speed up the process and make it a better user experience for that guest when they're on the website to get the answers that they want or find the right home that they want? So we're thinking about this in two different ways. Now, the other thing that Haptic does is SMS. So if I break these two vendors apart, I'm thinking about personalization and email with Adaptive. I'm thinking about chat and SMS and answering and speeding up the booking process and guest experience 
on the website. So those are two different channels. I'm trying to touch all the channels that we can with AI and with ML. Now, this is the beginning stages. And as I mentioned last week, in the fall, we'll try to have another another episode where we get to talk to, with Profil or, or someone from Haptic where we get to talk about results and what we've seen on the other yeah. side. The bigger thing that I'm hopeful for, and again, I come at this from how do I stay a step ahead of the industry and where this is going, is I think that there's potential where Haptic and Adaptive can potentially work together and I can leverage both of these tools. So I can start to get personalization from Adaptive that might feed into what Haptic is doing around SMS or around chat. I don't know if that's the case. The good news is that Adaptive and Haptic seem to be open to some of that discussion, but that's where my mindset is going when I start to think about the different channels and how we're bringing those together. So with all that said, we're doubling up on the AI and ML side because I think it's worth all of us understanding it in depth. And then we're doubling up on it because we're looking at it from two different vendors' perspectives. Yeah. No, I think that's a great intro, Adam, and the reason why. And I think you testing all these different platforms and tools and things like that, ultimately, we can come back here, report on the progress and be honest with what's working well, what's not working well and go from there. Profil, I'm going to go in your direction here. We'd love to get a little bit of intro from you before I forget, because I did forget last episode a little bit. Would you mind, before you get into that, a little bit of your background and your role at Haptic, would you share a song that best describes you? And also welcome to the show. So thanks, guys, for having me here. I was not prepared for the song, so let me think really quickly. There's a movie in Hindi, and actually it's highly recommended, called Three Idiots. It's literally three idiots. And a song in there is All Is Well. And that is my favorite. All Is Well is probably the only English part of that song. But it's really about, it doesn't matter what's going on in life. If you can't tell yourself that all is well, then things will turn out to be well. And it's very pertinent, right? Because... What's happening in the world of AI is scary. You know, if I actually told you how scared I am, you guys will be like, oh my God, what's going on? Because as an insider, but it is scary. The kind of innovation, the kind of acceleration of that innovation is pretty scary. And that's why I keep singing that song to myself. All is, it'll be fine. We'll make, make it through. So that's one of my favorite songs. So just about me, right? Who I am and what I've been doing. So I'm the chief product officer at Haptic. Adam, thanks for that great introduction to Haptic. Could have said it better myself, but we are an AI company that's enabling conversational commerce, any kind of commerce on web, SMS, Instagram, and other channels as well. And the whole idea is that the world is coming to a place where people don't want to call or wait in queues or be under pressure to give an answer real time. I have a 13 year old. And she just gets very weirded out if someone calls her phone. Who calls these days, right? And the good thing about these conversational agents is that, again, you're chatting. You're not waiting for a human to pick up on the other end. You're not under pressure. There's no judgment. Oh, would you like the $2,000 vacation or the nicer $2,400 vacation? And so you shouldn't feel bad about choosing the $2,000 vacation, right? Because that's a good deal as well. So people are generally moving towards conversations and we are enabling those commerce uh, over those conversations. But before Haptic, I've been in this AI and ML industry for 12 years now and uh, have been playing uh, either, either running my own companies or have been pl uh, playing the role of product manager and on in various things. So maybe, just maybe you can call me an AI expert, although that's a tall order. I don't want to go there. <laughs> no, we're excited to have you on here. And I think that uh, last week we asked the guys from Adaptive and we said, hey, I don't know if you've heard of the subreddit, but it's explain like I'm five. And the premise of the subreddit is explain it very simply. So they did their version of it. I'd love to hear your take on it, given that you've been in the space for a while. So if you had to explain AI or machine learning to a five-year-old, what would be the way that you would describe it? And then how does that actually, how Haptic uses that information or that data um, in their product, in your product? 
So AI is a computer software, right? The things that make your musical toys work, right? That's software. It's just a more advanced version of that software that pretends to think like human. And for a lot of people, particularly these days, for a lot of people, it does feel like it is thinking like a human. And once you can get it to think like a human, you can get it to do a lot of things. Can it solve your counting problems? Sure. Can it tell colors? Sure. In fact, it can do a lot of jobs that I do today. And that's what AI is. And to continue with what Haptic does is really we are using such an AI to answer questions or to sell or to help people who come to us on across various surfaces. So on, on your website, on a computer or on SMS, on your phone. And again, this AI is pretending to be human. It's very good at it and answers those questions or sells or helps these people without a human actually getting involved. And these yeah, days, so, five-year-olds will get it better than we think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my son's seven, not five, but I feel yeah, like yeah. he already will understand this stuff a lot better than I do today. Yeah. He'll have a better understanding of this in a year or two. Or I've read all these articles about kids using this to do their homework because do you, I actually love that description. I've not heard someone say that exactly in the way that you've done it before, but yeah, it literally can act like a human being. And that's actually why, is that why you think the technology is so impressive? This wasn't in our outline, but last week we talked about that the reason that ChatGPT went from, I think it's like zero to a hundred million users and the fastest ever, any product ever, is that it felt like a normal interface. It felt like I was messaging or using Slack or using Basecamp or something like that to message and it was replying back instantly. It sounds like you guys have been on that train for a while, but I'd let, is that why you think it grew so quickly? Is that if it feels like it's someone yes. actually talking back to you? Yeah. Yes. You're talking to a very knowledgeable, very wise and a very well, very articulate, I should say, human being on the other side, right? It's like I'm talking to my teacher or my assistant or a thought partner, depending on the use case, right? And that's why it's so impressive, the ability to reason, the ability to switch between languages and context, right? And obviously, ChatGPT is the epitome of this, or GPT-4 is the epitome of the all the innovations that have been done on AI and NLP. And that is what got to people. Some were very excited, some were very scared, but nevertheless, they tried it and figured out how it works. Mm -hmm. So let me touch on a couple things there, Prathal. So one, you've been in the space for 12 years, which is interesting because I think if you talk to a lot of people, they won't recognize how long AI has really been moving in this direction. We talked a little bit about that with the guys from Adaptive last week, where they were stressing that big tech has been using the same technology, but now it's become available for some of the smaller businesses out there. So from your background, what I think one of the important pieces is understanding haptic and the size of haptic and what you guys have been doing with haptic and why it is that that you are now moving into that vacation rental and hospitality space, which is ultimately where Profil and I met was trying to see where this fit would happen on the vacation rental space. And I'm very excited to see where this is going to take us. But how big is haptic? How long have you guys been around? Where has the focus been? If we're just all learning about chat GPT in the last three months, what have you guys been doing? What do you leverage? And then what are you seeing as the next sort of frontier? And how does that fit into hospitality and vacation rentals? Absolutely. A bunch of questions there. So let me like package it one by one. So a quick history of Haptic. Haptic has been around for nine years, actually. We're about to complete our 10th. It started as a B2C app. Uh, then we realized, and I say we, the team, and I've, I've been at Haptic for over a year now. 
But the team realized that B2B is where more action is in terms of conversational agents. And this they pivoted to B. And then we were acquired by a huge conglomerate called Geo Mobility, or it's a Geo Platforms rather. It's a subsidiary of Reliance, which is one of the biggest corporations out of India. And since then, they've invested to the tune of $100 million into this. And since then, Haptic has just grown and it almost exploded in terms of its size. Today, we are 400 people. We have done reaching 10 billion conversations with about 5, 50 million people around the world, right? We have 300 customers. It's, it's, a lot of them are in APAC, so India, Indonesia, Middle East, and others, where who's who of that world is our customer. We are newer and smaller in the United States where we have people like the Container Store, Whirlpool, Disney, Unilever as some of our customers, and we're just expanding from there. What we do for all of these people, for all our customers, is essentially what we talked about so far in take the interest in these conversations and convert it either to a sale or to a customer delight or saved costs, right? Ticket deflection and all that. Although it's more and more sales and customer delight, particularly since I have joined the company, like my mandate has been very clear, is to take just a conversational agent, which is the AI, and the messaging agents, so SMS, Instagram, Direct, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp outside of US, that's also very popular, and take all these agents and create a cohesive conversational commerce platform. So again, to simplify it, like as an Adam, the way you're thinking, whenever you think about a real-time conversation with a customer over text, for example, you should be thinking haptic, right? Any part of it is something that haptic can provide for you. So that's what the product is. That's what it does. We enable commerce over messaging channels, including the web as a channel, as a conversation channel. The, the technology, is really it's first of all if you probably looked at a haptic app from 2013 right uh, you wouldn't ever hire it to do anything it was just the first thing out of the thing you could do three things oh, okay maybe i can book a ticket maybe and that too as long as you stay to the script it worked but not really but then in 2014 it got better 15 it got better when open ai so as chat gpt is as is the latest or not latest minus one version of a series of models called GPT models. So I think roughly it's called generally pre-trained. So it's trained in general and it's pre-trained. So you can use it for whatever purposes. And chat GPT is actually GPT 3.5. And after that, OpenAI has released GPT 4. But back in the day, I think 2020, uh, or 2018 rather, when OpenAI released its first model, GPT 1.0, we were one of the companies that recognized its potential. Right. And in fact, a lot of our AI integrated, there was a lot of other elements as well, but a lot of our AI integrated and used GPT ever since then. And so then they came to two, then three, then 3.5. So although the, the interest of the whole world has been focused on 3.5 and 4, so 3.5 is a chat GPT, 4 is the latest model, which is actually, it's still in beta. Not many people have access to it, but it's out there. The, the focus of the world is focused is on these two things. We have been using this. It's not really news, new thing to us, except that every generation is about 100 times as powerful in terms of, in just now some geeky terms, in terms of parameters they use instead of data. They, to the extent that now GPT-4 has almost ingested the whole internet. 
all public data has been cleaned and ingested in it. And it's very interesting. In fact, Sam Altman, who's the founder of OpenAI, he just made a statement very recently that till now, we had a very simple thing that we asked AI to do. So all this magic, all the stuff that is happening right now is done with a very simple model which says, hey, here is a text. Can I, we'll skip some words of it, predict that word. That's all. That's all we ask the AI to do and train itself on. It's that's dumb if you think about it. A five-year-old could do it. And then, but we did it so well. We did it like so, what for such a huge corpus. We had ingested the entire internet into it. That suddenly becomes such a powerful phenomenon. But the point is, humanity is doubling our data every year or so, right? Every year, there's enough. And it's so mind-boggling to think that if you think about, let's say, GPT-4 to GPT-5, and let's say you have to say that, hey, the next version should be 100 times as powerful. Just think about this. This is what I'm about to say. If the next version should be 100 times powerful, that means humanity will have to work on for nine years, doubling every year to generate enough data for the next version of GPT, right? So the constraint is not now the algorithms or compute, it's the data that you have. And that's why Sam Altman made a statement that we'll have to go a very different road to improve further. Anyways, all that said and done. So I, I went into a digression here. Coming back to what Haptic has been doing. So now we are GPT 3.5 comes on, bring it on, right? Because we've always been using it. We are actually already partners with OpenAI as well and with Microsoft and other LLMs as well. But mainly we are centered around GPT from OpenAI. And we are bringing a lot of very exciting features to you and to everyone through our platform. And the last part of your question, Adam, if you allow me to continue, is, is in a wide travel. Because travel has two or three things that most other industries don't have. One, it is very personal, not just in terms of, so in terms of needs, first of all, right? I want to leave San Francisco to go to Hawaii, but I can't take a flight before 2 p.m. because that's when my kid gets off the, it's very personal. One thing for me will not work for anyone else by definition. Second, it's very personal because it's emotional. The house could speak to me just because some photographed it in a certain angle and not to you or not to others, maybe the great house, just because something clicked. And this is where a consultative approach, and I'm preaching to the choir, you guys know this better than I do, a consultative approach works so well. And that consultative approach as what we're trying to do together is instead of taking humans who may or may not be very good at it, but then taking the best of your humans and training the AI to think like them, to pretend to think like them, and then actually help or sell or delight the customer. Sorry, a long answer, but hopefully- that no, I loved it. I can't believe you tied all my questions together. So thank you for that. <laughs> right. I think Profil himself is an AI agent and we're just, we're not even sure. You never know. That's, <laughs> <it>. you never <laughs> know. that's the thing with, with virtual calls. Yeah. You don't know what they are not. <laughs> no, it's, it, I think that is a good overview into kind of all the different tools and how, like you said, at one point I was smiling because you said way back in the day, and then I think you said 2018 or 2019 or something, which like, I, I guess even, I think way back in the day, I think, oh, you mean like 10 years ago? No, you're like, no, it's the technology is pacing forward yes. so quickly. I get one, one thing that I've, uh, this is just my personal experience with it, is that I actually have, used to have clients, let's say back in 2014, 15, 16, I feel like the live chat craze hit when people were being told, oh, you need to have live chat on your website, a guest wants to be able 
to chat with you instantly. And we have clients try it. And my conclusion has often been that unless you're going to man that chat, unless you're literally going to have someone sitting there ready to reply, I actually thought it was a conversion killer in many cases. Because when mm -hmm. a guest goes to open a live chat on a website, they're on a search results page for a vacation rental company. This was the most common use case that I saw personally. Mm -hmm. And they went, I don't know if I should choose house A or house B. Like you said, maybe they had a personal preference for one or the other, but they may have very specific questions. They may want to know, hey, is the, this is an example that's come up before, is the property accessible if someone was in a wheelchair? Let's say that's a pretty common question that I see come up. That's yeah. not always automatically something that you can figure out just by looking at the property detail page. I guess I, my question is twofold. Number one, do you think that the AI can start to figure out how to ways to answer questions like that if you feed it the right training data? And then number two, do you think there's still a place for that live reservations agent? Or do you think that role, that position is going to be essentially replaced by people who can use tools like this? For the first question, the answer is resoundingly yes. I will just add a nuance. You mentioned a very specific thing. You said, given the right training data, I'm yeah. saying that is so 2022. Because now all you need to do, let's say you update your website. Let's say somebody added a ramp to their property. You right. update the website and the webs and the AI got it real time or whatever cadence you want to give every 24 hours, it can go through all your properties, get the right data. So the, this whole concept of training data is obsolete already. As of November 30, 2022, that's when ChatGPT was announced, gone. And the second question, live agents. So I think, and that's a tricky one, that's a delicate one as well. I think the right way to think about it is that there's still something called human, which I, and if you notice a couple of times in, in, in this episode itself, I have said AI is something that pretends to think. So it's still a program and it's still, you can train it for God knows hundred variables. There would be 105th variable that you did not program it, right? Or there will be certain complexity of the situation where it can go run circles. So for example, ChatGPT is known for hallucinations, which means that it will just makes things, makes things up if it doesn't know the answer to it, right? To answer your question in brief, that yes, there is a huge role for the for a human or what we call human agent or a live agent to, to play in this industry. But the role has changed now from handling the day-to-day -day routine cases to two things. One, handling the complex, more delicate, more emotional, more complex cases. And two, to setting the right standard for the AI to behave, to role model on what AI should or should not be doing, right? And that is such a human thing. Both these things are such human things that that will, in the foreseeable future, will not go away. Yeah, I guess the uh, the benefit that I see, though, to, to your point there, is that the AI can respond instantly, right? The problem with the live agent just answering very basic questions or things that are very rudimentary. Does this property have three bedrooms? That was actually the problem that some of my clients had with it, is that people would ask questions that were readily obvious on the website, but maybe they just wanted to talk to someone. Like that, That's the terminology that I've heard. I want to talk to someone. And nowadays, it seems like the AI, like you said, it can act a lot more logically than it could before. I've seen other products out there. I don't know if you want me to mention names, but basically the other products that I've seen before basically made you build your own workflow. So you'd have, you could click a button and then the button would then, okay, it was almost like a tree logic. If they click this button, send them down this path. If they click this button, send them down this path. But it feels like with these tools that just the idea in the back end to even configure this seems a lot less of a lighter workload. Is that like Look, a correct? Hey, I'll let Prof will answer this one, but I want to give my yeah. first two cents just because I'm going through the implementation process right now with Haptic. So I can at least give it from a user perspective. Conrad, I used chat like that in the past and that's exactly what it was. It was a chain of events that I had to sit there or the marketing team had to sit there and build that out. 
and it's pretty tedious. And not only is it tedious to build the first time, but you're, I guarantee you're going to want to change that. And it's very tedious to go back and change that over and over again as you start to evolve through that process. Right. Early on, yeah, it probably made some sense. You go into haptic and it's a completely different process. We're going in and asking questions and feeding it back. Now, I haven't seen the results. The results will be on my meeting on Friday. They're going to give me a model of what our questions and answers start to look like. It's not a process of building out a tree. They're coming back with a language model and an answer model based on the input that we've given them. I don't think I can top that, Adam. I, you, you said it much better than I could, but yes, that's the thing. And sometimes you still need these flows because, again, when you have to say that, for example, a good, I'm just making this up, you will know better. So, for example, a good agent would understand the needs, would understand the constraints, and then make recommendations, right? So there's a flow built in that sales conversation, right? And AI wouldn't know. It'll just go and ask all these things together and kind of mess it up unless you say, you know what? Just follow this process because that agent is doing so. So the from the days of literally prescribing what the user should say and what the bot should say, we have gone like way away from that. And it's literally about uploading questions and downloading, uploading the answers and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. My questions so far have mostly been on like the guest marketing side. That's usually where my brain goes. But I would imagine maybe even Scott, you have some thoughts about this. This could also be leveraged, I would imagine, from I think you said earlier, probably you said delight a customer or delight a guest maybe is something that maybe Scott might be thinking about or dealing about on a frequent basis or as he talks about operations. It's often, hi, I got to the property. There's a problem, right? What's your take on that? Or Scott, maybe you have some ideas or concepts that we could work through of how the what sort of questions come in. Is that something, Scott, you think that we could use tools like this to actually figure out ways to solve this problem that a guest has or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. So it's spot on, Conrad. It's two things. I see this in two real areas. So one of the things that we do with Casago Del Mar is we've got these QR codes that we put around the unit, whether it's on the AC, right? Maybe on the coffee maker that's harder to operate, right? And it's that prompt of click here and they then they get a video on how to use it, right? So whatever there's the hard thing to operate, hot tub, whatever it is. So I think we're trying to have these like quick user-based things. But one of the things that I'm wondering, Profil, is one of the one of the check-ins that we do, and I think most VRMs do it now, is after check-in, maybe a day after check-in, we'll hit you up and say, hey, we're just checking in to make sure everything's okay. And my curiosity when we talk about delight in the service is right now, essentially a robo SMS and then when they reply, it comes back and then that's when the humans get to work, right? To go, okay, now what do we do? So I'm wondering as we work on this, that plug in for, if it's a quick, easy question for it to automatically start talking and say, okay, let's address that. And again, there's going to be some human element that are going to require a phone call, but typically right now that text prompts a conversation. And I'm wondering if in the delight path, if there's a way to say, okay, let's try to troubleshoot your problem while I have you right here, right now. Oh, I'm going to jump on top of you real quick, just again, because I'm taking this from a user perspective before you answer it from the company perspective. So again, from an implementation, we're starting with the chat on the website, which I think makes the most sense because we don't have that. And I think that's where you start to delight the person who's trying to book. The second part of the implementation process for us is on the SMS side. And I'm actually really glad that Conrad and Scott both asked those questions because I hadn't started to think through that SMS side. And that is a clearer picture. I was thinking about it from a marketing perspective, but the lighting on the guest experience is clearly where that can go. 
Oh, 100%. And look, we have been a commerce-first company for the last couple of years. We were a support or delight-first company for the seven before. And that's exactly the use case. I mean, you guys have the, exactly the right vision, right? Look, the person has already booked with you, even before a check-in, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The person has already booked with you, and they an implicit trust is already in place, right? Now it does give you a license to reach out, maybe a week before they're getting to the property. Do you want me to help you with the restaurants around there? Do you want me to book this horse riding thing? Or do you want to go and try out the local cooking, not cuisine, but cooking? And I can book these things for you. So it's all upsell as part of the delight. At the same time, hey, do you have you booked the taxi? Do you want me to get you a, a pickup from the airport? Or when they come to the property, oh, lock is a problem. Have you tried this code? Oh, this is broken. Can I get a plumber to you, etc. Right. So all these questions, all the things, and you guys, I mean, you guys know this much better than I do. Like this, you take the entire list of questions. It probably boils down to ten, right? But in terms of that type of questions being asked, right? And then there's a long tail. But it doesn't matter. The main things, the long tails, all of that can be done over an SMS or if you have your own app. Like that's usually an incentive for someone to download your app, <clears throat> and then through that relationship, because now they have you have trust with them. You can sell more, you can delight more, you can make your operational, operationally, you can make the things easier for you. Oh, by the way, not a single human involved. And of course you can escalate. At some point you're like, oh, you know what? It's getting too complex. Let me get a human colleague and the human colleague jumps in. Yeah. I get my experience too with this personally has been like some phone systems you call up and they try to send you through these like automated phone trees, similar to the comparison from earlier where Adam was talking about these live chat tools that were existed previously where you had to set up everything up. And then people like my mom, for example, as soon as they see the automated phone tree, they're like zero, like they're hitting zero. They don't want to talk to the <laughs> machine. They want to talk to the that's person. Me too. That's me yeah. too. That's the human, human zero, zero. That's me too. Yeah. yeah. When I'm at the stage where I'm calling, it's like, all right, I've gone through your simple solutions and your simple solutions didn't work. But <laughs> yeah. I wonder what, though, with the advancement of the technology and where we're going with it, if <clears throat> like it might be the case today with some things where I actually prefer doing them in the like in my case in chat GPT or through the API than doing them manually. So this is a marketing example, but I got to tell one of my copywriters, hey, copywriter, I'm never going to ask you to write a meta description again, which is the 150 to 200 characters of text that you need yeah. under attached to every web page because I can do this with AI and she was like oh thank god she was actually happy that she didn't have to sit there and do this tedious task over and over again she's like I can actually focus on the copy that's more creative and not just like the mind-numbing like this task that I took yeah. off her plate because we figured out how to do that inside of a google sheet and paste it and blah 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 it's a whole thing so I wonder if do you think that's the case that we're actually going to prefer the machine in some cases to solving these basic problems because like you said it's never going to get frustrated with us when like we make a mistake we're like like I was doing it the other day and I was like what you said didn't work. That wasn't the right thing that actually worked. Could you what are some other problems that might occur? And ChatGPT was literally responding and saying, oh, did you try this and this? And it was helping me more. So are we there already? Is the, Are you actually going to prefer the machine to a human as opposed to the other way around? So, so the answer is 100% yes. And I'll, let me give you another example that will make this point. I, recently, I was chatting with a professor in computational biology, as different from vacation travel as probably possible, computational biology at Berkeley, University of California. And I was like, hey, so aren't your students writing papers on chat GPT now? The term paper is certainly. And he's yes. And I'm actually totally okay with it because then that frees up their time to think of innovative ideas. So as long as the ideas are there, and he also said that they should mention that is parts of a written by ChatGPT, but that's aside. As long as ideas are theirs, I don't care. And because see, this is an example, your customer is looking for a great kind of output on your blog or your podcast, right? 
your customer, the last thing they want to do is to think about the metadata and the tags and all that. So you are actually freeing them up to give more in attention to things that really matter rather than things that are just kind of very perfunctory for search engines and other things. So 100%, that's why people are like today, if I have to change my airline ticket, I wouldn't even go to the website. I go to the chat because that does it much better and gets the human at the right time. And I, by the way, that's a shortcut to the human also. It doesn't make me wait for two hours and gets it done. So 100%, I see that people are particularly the next generation who in general somehow seem to avoid human contact. <laughs> it's a blessing mm -hmm. for them. I, I think that was almost worth the price of admission, giving us that suggestion about airline tickets and going to chat and getting quicker to a human that way. Yeah. But Prof, before before we get off here, as we get towards the end of the discussion, I want to make sure I go back to a comment that you made at the beginning, because it's something that I think is on a lot of people's minds. And there are definitely different schools of thought, people that swing to either side of the extreme on this topic. But you mentioned that you, as someone who's been in this field for 12 years, there's, there's some fear and trepidation about where this is headed. And what is that? What makes this scary? Why is this scary? And then I guess a follow-up is why should we not be scared? Yeah. Yeah. So look, I probably meant scary in a slightly different way than what you mean. And let me address both, right? I am scared because as a professional in this industry, it, I'm finding it harder and harder to be on top of it. This is the pace is such a, it's a such kind of chat GPT comes along and every other AI stack is obsolete. So now we scramble on the chat GPT and then, oh, there's a GPT-4. Oh, by the way, there's 15 other people coming up with their own models and this, that. So what does the world look like? How do we keep on top of it and help people like yourself, right? So that's part of my scare. But in general, there's a scare about, hey, what will AI do? Will, will it make humans obsolete? Will it make people lose all their jobs? That part, to be honest, I'm not scared about. And think about it going back to dawn of civilization and whatnot. When the wheel was invented, I'm sure like a lot of people thought that, hey, things that take four people to do, now only one person can do. What will those other three people do? Turns out they started painting caves and made amazing technologies, right? And later on, when steam engine was invented, hey, what are these people going to do? And then transistor came along, internet came along. Look, humanity has gone through multiple kind of moments of crazy innovation. We are living through another one right now but with all these large language models, just reimagining the way we go to work. But we have been fine. We've always been fine. Employment has been, unemployment is lowest in history, just like looking at the numbers. And sure, there'll be winners and losers, but it's very hard to predict who. For example, I'll give you an example, right? So with chat GPT, there are certain tools called, for example, GitHub Copilot, which help you code. So today, even if I'm not an engineer, and by the way, try it, try it. Go ahead and do some homework for you. Try it. Even if I'm not an engineer, I can go, I can ask ChatGPT to give me a code. I can copy paste it and then I can ask Copilot to correct it and so on and so forth, right? And I can code even if I'm not an engineer. So it turns out everyone was worried about the truck drivers. Everyone was worried that, hey, truck drivers will lose the job. But actually it's the engineers who made this thing that are certainly at the risk of. So there will be winners and losers for sure. And I think that's where that goes back to my previous point. We have to all be scared about how are we adapting to this new world. But in general, I think humanity will be fine. AI is just a program. It's just something that pretends to be human. All right, good. That's my perspective on it as well. That's where the camp that I sit in. <laughs> and I think it goes back to your song selection. All, all is well. All is well. <laughs>
<laughs> we can unplug it basically at the end of the day. I saw. I know, I know this was a meme. I don't know if I could find it put in the show notes, but basically there was a it was like a joke that was going out. You may have seen seen this brothel, and it was someone who posted a it was like a fake open AI job post, and the title of it was like security engineer, and the salary was like three hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, look, man, here's the job description. You sit by the server, and if I ever tell you, you unplug it. <laughs> it was basically like the joke that they were telling, and it yeah, made me laugh. That's but, hilarious. That's yeah. where we have come to, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. It's my my dad's favorite example. I think is the buggy whip manufacturer right that was once a huge industry literally there was thousands yeah. of people employed including i think people on like my father's side of the family that were literal buggy web manufacturers and of course those are long since gone and that's not a necessary thing and to your point profit what do they do they find other work they find other exactly. things to do that's always how it goes yeah yeah exactly that's a good example anything else gentlemen that we want to touch on here i know we're at a time or so but just wanted to make sure we swoop back and covered anything that was relevant i guess the this only thing i would want to touch on with profit before we wrap up is maybe the vision that you have going forward with the travel industry and specifically with the vacation rental space, we've touched on what you guys are doing today. Is there a path that you see? And then what's the timeline with that path? Look, I'm leaving aside the feasibilities and the commercials and all that will work out. But here is my dream with Travel Advantage Networks, which is, can we graduate from selling properties to selling custom tailored experiences. So not just saying that, hey, go and stay in this beautiful property on this rock at Hawaii, but here is the entire itinerary you may want to consider. You like Luau, great, but hey, there's also some troop visiting that weekend from Japan and they're getting a great performance. And based on whatever you've told us, we didn't ask you, but whatever we inferred from your preferences, you may love that. And let us craft the entire experience of visiting that Hawaii rather than just the property, which of course is the anchor of the experience. But it's not just the, the vacation rental, it's the entire vacation that visit. So that's my dream. And Adam, someday, I don't know, next year, year after, whenever we are ready, we should try to implement it. Oh, I'm right there with you. That's what Scott and I talk about quite a bit is, and I think that's the future of vacation rentals. I think it's the future of marketing within vacation rentals. I think we need to get to a place where we're offering full experiences, not just the vacation rental home. Absolutely. Awesome. I like that vision. I think that what I feel personally is like two people may be staying in the same property side by side, but they want very different things. Like if I go to a, a lake or a mountain or something, I want to go fishing, right? Other people may find that idea not appealing at all. So we may be staying in the same property, but we have very different requirements. And I think that all the all these tools and how I've used them is like a lot, a lot of people say, oh, this is how it's going to work or this is how it should be. And I feel like over the past few years, I've seen all these marketing tools come and go. But when I see tools that actually I end up using. So this is this has been my bar for ChatGPT. It is now a pinned tab in my browser. So like in the yeah, top left, I see you. Gmail, I see ChatGPT, and I see uh, Basecamp, which are kind of the tools that we use for project management. So nice. whenever a tool earns that place in my browser, then I think it's doing something right. And I think tools like this are ones where you can just use it and you can tell pretty quickly, hey, this isn't something to our point from earlier. You have to configure and you have to manage. This is something that just works with you and more so just if you prompt it correctly, you'll get back the right stuff back that's useful and makes your life easier, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. We're make us happier, make our lives easier. And that's what technology is supposed to do. So that feels good for sure. Awesome. We always like to get review or a review request then at the end. So if you like the episode so far, we definitely would like and appreciate if you subscribe, rate and review to the show. We'll put a link to Profile, your link LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And we'll also put a link to Haptic so people can check out Haptic, what you're doing. I see there's a get a demo option there. I'm sure that goes to an excellent a team yeah. that can help kind of show you the actual software and see how it could perhaps work in the vacation rental context. Then it sounds like Adam, our plan is to maybe come back to this discussion in a little bit and see how we're learning from it and how we can improve these tools. 
from your Yeah, experience. for sure. And from a review perspective, just go to chat GPT. It can write it for it, copy and paste and put it. Yeah. But yeah, Here, Conrad, here's, we'll here's the prompt, right? <laughs> That's <Go ahead>. awesome. <laughs> no, I was going to say the prompt is write a five-star review for the Art of Hospitality show so that I can paste this into, into Apple, iTunes or Spotify or whatever the case may be. I'm sorry, Adam, go ahead. No, perfect. It's funny. At the end of these episodes, somehow it's like my Wi-Fi gets tired. So now I'm trying to catch up with Wi-Fi with video. But with that said, yes, we will circle back. And the hope will be to have Profil or someone from Profil's team be back on in the fall after we have some use of the system and come back in and and chat again. So I I appreciate the time, Profil. It's great to connect. And I love your perspective. And the detail that you were able to offer was fantastic. Thanks. It's great fun having, having been here. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. We'll put a bow on this one. We appreciate it, everybody. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much.